Welcome to the First Assembly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message and find encouragement through the Holy Spirit. Good morning, First Assembly. I am so, so excited to be speaking uh, with you this morning on uh, our series, All Things New. And like Ben said, we've been going through some encounters, uh, some moments that Jesus had with people after he rose from the dead. And so I am, it's an honor, honestly, to speak with you this morning. And so um, before we kind of dive in, I thought I would maybe just take a moment to introduce myself or reintroduce myself, because um, it's COVID and who knows who's been in the room when I've been on stage or not. Um, my name is Hunter, like we've said a few times. I am married to the most amazing, wonderful, wise, strong, beautiful woman of God. Her name is Mandy. Um, we've been married for about almost seven years, which makes me feel really cool, but also kind of old. <laughs> so um, it's great. Everybody who's been married for like 30 years is like, just wait. Um, I also have an amazing son who I could not be more proud of. He is so kind and smart, and he thinks he is the funniest person uh, in the room, wherever he is. And so I'm thankful for my son, Judah. And then, of course, my daughter, Sage, who joined us uh, December 13th, 2020, the firstborn of the COVID babies. It's probably not true, but... First Assembly is, it's a funny journey that I've had with this church because I am new to the pastoral team here, uh, only been a couple months now, uh, but I'm not new to this church. Um, the fun fact is that I actually attended a youth rally here in 2008, over a decade ago, and uh, it was before I was following Jesus, I just heard that there was going to be uh, free food and, uh, and good music, and so I showed up, and I was actually on this stage eating sardines in front of my friends, in front of a, a room full of students across the city. And I discovered that night that I did not like sardines and um, what it meant to uneat something in the bathroom later. And so, yeah, it's not good. Oh, man, I don't know anybody. Anyway, it's fine. Sardines, we could talk about another time. But, but First Assembly has also been home to some of the most profound moments I've ever had with Jesus over the years, over the last uh, 10 plus years. Uh, through youth rallies, Tehila Monday, uh, Empower conferences, and even Sunday mornings here. The First Assembly has been like a second home to me and my, my family as well. I love this place. I love this church. And I also love Pastor Ben. And before I could even speak to you this morning, I need to honor this man of God in front of you. Um, he is so kind and wise and humble, and he is an amazing leader. And so, Pastor Ben, thank you so much for leading this church so well, giving me the opportunity and the trust to speak this morning. I really, really appreciate it. So this morning, we're gonna, I'm going to probably wander around the camera people. I, they, they said it and forget it, but I'm sure I'm going to go off screen for a little bit. I can't stand still, but... We're diving into uh, the third week of our series, All Things New. And to start things off, I'd love for you to open up to John chapter 20, verse 19. And we're going to go to about 29. Okay, so if you have your Bibles with you, John chapter 20, verse 19 through 29, or pull open your phone, or you can also just follow along probably on the screen as well. Okay, so let's, let's do that together. John chapter 20, verse 19 through 29. Here we go. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked 
where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Okay, so just we'll just pause for a moment to give you some context before we kind of continue. Jesus was crucified on the cross. The Jewish leaders were persecuting the people who claimed to follow him. They were scared. His, his, his boys, his disciples were locked in a room because they were terrified of what the Jewish leaders were going to do to them. And so it says they were hiding in a locked room. And then Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. They're afraid. They're in a locked room. Jesus shows up. Peace be with you. Shows them his wounds, his scars. They're excited. And then we move on to Thomas. We all know Thomas. <laughs> Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. Now Thomas, one of the 12, who was called the twin, was not with the others when Jesus appeared to him. And then the, the other disciples came to Thomas and told him, we have seen the Lord. But then this is what Thomas says. He says to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Again, the doors were locked because they were afraid. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he turns to Thomas and he says, put your finger here, see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Before Thomas does anything, he just replies to Jesus and says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Let's pray. This morning, God, I am so thankful for your word. Even though it is old documents that were recorded over 2,000 years ago, they are still so relevant to us today. Your word is eternal. I'm thankful, Lord, for the moments that we get to see in scripture where people encountered the real Jesus and they were dealing with real fears and, Lord, there were struggles, and we get to see that because we see the humanity in Thomas and the disciples. And, God, I'm so thankful for this amazing opportunity to speak. And I pray over everyone here, including myself, that we would just be open to receive from you this morning and hear what you have to say to our heart of hearts. So would you just be present in this place, Holy Spirit? We invite you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So I have to tell you a story. Just a, about two years ago, just over two and a half years ago, my son Judah was born. Uh, he came out very tall. Um, I don't know where he got that from. And also just, well, he's eight and a half pounds. I'm not really, I don't know how to reference that. It was big. He was early as well. And he was 22 inches, eight and a half pounds. Um, 
And we were so excited to bring him home. We were new parents, and things were going really well. But about two, or about one week, just over one week after Judah was born, something really, really unfortunate happened. And Mandy and I were faced with something that we didn't fully expect we were going to face as new parents. Um, we, uh, we had to call the ambulance because Judah was not behaving as he should. And we brought him to the children's hospital because he had gone into septic shock at, at about 10 days old. And we learned very shortly after that he had bacterial meningitis. And it was a really intense night that was followed by very long three and a half months of eating, sleeping, and living at the children's hospital. While Judah received treatment, he got antibiotics, and there was complications, and lumbar punctures, and lots of testing. A lot of uncertainty and and a lot of disappointment for us in those three and a half months. I don't have time to go into the details of of what transpired over that that time, but I want to just start by saying I'm really happy to report that Judah is actually like crazy healthy. Um, He's really, really happy and, and good. And God actually, by the grace of God and the wisdom of our doctors at the Children's Hospital, Judah is fully healed and, and there's nothing wrong with him. So I just want to say that God is really good and faithful. The problem is, is it's, it's hard to see that faithfulness when you're in the middle of the mud, right? Like, it's hard to see that when you're living on a <laughs> less than a single bed with two people and you're kind of like sleeping, you know, foot to feet and it's, it feels like youth camp, not, you know, life. And, and I remember the, the most important, the most profound time, the, the most profound moment we had at the hospital was when we signed papers giving surgeons consent to perform a craniotomy on our three-week-old son. It was so scary. We had no idea that that was going to happen. There was a second source of infection in his brain, and they needed to remove it, or else he would just never get better and probably get worse. We signed the papers, we prayed over our son, we said goodbye and let him go into surgery, and we hit the waiting room. And I remember in the middle of waiting, which seemed like forever, if you've ever been in a moment like that, it's not a short time, it's, it's eternity. And I, I remember asking a question that I never thought I was going to ask in my entire walk with Jesus over a decade of following him. I asked Is God still faithful? Is God still worthy of my trust? Okay. The truth is, is that he is faithful. That's the truth that we see in scripture. But when we face the reality of our pain and disappointment and circumstance, a question often comes up in our hearts. Is God faithful? Can I trust him in this moment? And I found myself in that place. And the truth is, I'm also painfully aware that this room is full of people who over the past year and however long have probably, in our heart of hearts, asked that same question. Whether we've gone through big disappointments or just small inconveniences, we're kind of wondering, in the middle of this pandemic, God, are you still faithful? Can I still trust you? 
There's people here who have who've lost family members to this disease. There's people in this room who have lost jobs. People in this room who have had to pick up a, a, you know, overnight education degree because their kids are now needing to be homeschooled and the next week they might not be and it's just back and forth. And it's painful and it's disappointing and it's discomfort. And, and I've been there myself as well. It's not been an easy year. And I think we can be honest with ourselves in the middle of that. And if we're not going to be honest with ourselves, then this message probably will not be helpful for you this morning. We find ourselves asking, God, can I trust you even when I don't see what I thought I was going to see? Or even worse, it's not anywhere near. It's worse than I thought it was going to be. Can I still trust you? And the promise, sorry, the problem with Thomas and the disciples is not that they lacked faith or that they had this, you know, immense doubt in their hearts that they, they didn't get to confront until that moment. It's not that. They didn't lack faith. And the problem with all of us in this room in our moments of pain or discomfort or disappointment or anger or frustration, it's not that we lack faith. It's that we have built our faith in God on the very very shaky foundation of our felt peace, our comfort, our joy. When things are good, God is good. But when things aren't, when our lack of peace dictates our level of faith, instead of finding more of either of those things, we actually discover that we have none of both. I'm going to say that one more time because it sets up the, the, the mood for our talk this morning. When our lack of peace, when we find ourselves in those uncomfortable moments, dictates our faith, our level of faith in God. Instead of finding an increase of those things, of peace and faith, we find a lack in both. And so we lock the doors. We hide from our enemies and our fears. And we say, unless... I see God do this, I will never believe. I will never do this. It's, it's true of so many of us in this room. And so this morning, I want to invite us into a post-resurrection encounter with Jesus. Because there is some really great news in the middle of this story with the disciples and Thomas. And so we're going to just take some time together to unpack some things that God highlighted to me in this story. I promise we're going to go to an encouraging place this morning. Amen? Amen. You guys with me? Okay. Okay. It's not too, not too heavy in this place. Okay. I have to say, no, never mind. I won't say that. Okay. We'll move on. So here's what we need to do when we find ourselves placing our faith in the shaky foundation of our circumstances, of our peace, our comfort, our joy, the goodness of our life. We need to shift the focus or the source of our faith. God does not desire for us and our faith to be moved by our circumstances. I believe that God's desire is to shift our source of faith from the peace of our circumstances to the faithfulness of who he is. And I'd like to look at a few of those things, okay? So we're going to talk about the character of God. We're going to talk about our spiritual community, and we're going to talk about Christ. So if you're taking notes, those are kind of the three things. The character of God, 
the spiritual community and Christ. And so Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says this, okay? We kind of know this passage. Oh, man. Hold on one sec. I said no to a non-handheld, and we'll see if I regret that. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says this. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. This is what faith is. It's the assurance of things that we hope for and the certainty or the conviction of things that we do not see. Faith is your hope for the future of what God will do in the future, which is based on your trust in the present and is informed of God's faithfulness in your past. We need to let God's faithfulness testify in a sense or speak to our present discomfort. We need to see God speak into our moment of pain based on what he has already done in the past. We can have faith in God because even though yesterday was summer and today is winter again, we can look forwards to the spring, right? We know that it's coming because we've seen it before. God is faithful. He has been faithful in the past. And if you're here today and you can't see that, I want to invite you to just slow down because oftentimes we we get so clouded by our pain in the moment that we can't see what God has done in the past. But I promise you, he has been faithful to you. If you are breathing in this room or online, he is faithful. And we need to let the character of God testify to our present circumstances so that we can resurrect our hope for the future. The next thing here is our spiritual community. This is an important one because I actually get kind of upset. I almost feel like I need to come to Thomas's defense. <laughs> like, I don't know why. I read this passage of scripture and I'm just like, I feel bad for Thomas. He just wasn't there the first time Jesus showed up. Have you ever been in the wrong place at the wrong time and missed out on a really good thing? It's not fun. And then your friends tell you about it and you just like almost can't believe that, that it was that good. I was trying to think of a moment that that's happened, but I'm pretty good at being in places that I need to be. So, <laughs> um, But here's the thing. Sometimes we need, it's hard. It's hard to remind ourselves of God's faithfulness. But, and sometimes we need help to do that. And the mistake, another mistake that Thomas made is that he didn't trust the testimony of his friends, of his co-laborers, his, his fellow followers of Jesus. And the important thing that I really want to encourage us with this morning is that if you do not have a strong, trustworthy, spiritual community, and that's a key one, can't just be like, you know, your group of friends from work that don't have a relationship with Christ. Those are valuable friendships to have. But if you don't have people in your life who are constantly pointing you back to God's faithfulness, pointing you back to the character of Christ, the altars in your life that remind you of what God has done, then you will not last. We need to surround ourselves with people who can do that. The, the teacher in Ecclesiastes says a three-corded string or strand of rope is not easily broken. When we gather with people who can encourage us, we will not be discouraged as easily. So I want to encourage you, church, get into a community. Now, 
I have the privilege and honor of helping facilitate such communities at our church, so this is the self-plug. <laughs> uh, but if you are not in a community at FA, I would encourage you to visit our website and sign up for a community group. And uh, jokes aside, we have some of the top shelf leaders. Man, I'd, I'd even just take a moment. Can we just say thank you to our community group leaders who have been so faithful over this past season? They're so amazing. But we are cultivating really healthy community. Um, and some of you in this room can, can even just speak to that. Like you have been encouraged through COVID because of these communities. A three-corded strand is not easily broken. And the final place that reminds us of God's character in our faith is Jesus. It's Christ. See, in both moments in this passage of Scripture, the one that changed it all is Jesus. First with the disciples and then with Thomas. In the midst of their locked doors and their fears and doubts, where do we find Jesus? He's not in the garden praying. He's not in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. He is in the room with them. He's, he's literally locked in the room with them. I don't want to read between the lines too much here, but I just really believe that maybe even there's someone here this morning who just needs to know, like, Jesus is, is locked in the room with you. He's there. He's not going anywhere. Thomas's negotiation of faith, the statement that we read, the, the, the one that we all, we know. Unless I can see and touch his wounds, I will never believe. The, the, the funny part about this is that he said that statement just with his disciples. Jesus wasn't in the room at that moment. That's what we read, right? It's just him and his disciples gathered in the room, doors are locked again. But the best part of this is that Jesus actually heard his almost prayer. And that's how we should read this, is Thomas's prayer. Unless, God, you do this, I will not believe. Jesus heard him and shows up eight days later to give him exactly what he was looking for. To look at his wounds. And he even says, go ahead, touch them. Thomas doesn't go... He doesn't even get to reach out his hand before he says, my Lord and my God. He just sees Jesus there in the midst of his doubts and fears and questions. He sees his Lord, his leader, his friend, his mentor, his teacher present. This morning, I need to remind you that Jesus is not afraid of your fears, your doubts, or your questions. And when you go through moments of pain or sorrow or disappointment, he is not distancing himself from you. He is coming much closer. And when we walk through our moments of greatest pain, we will find our Lord opening himself up to us. 
And if that doesn't speak to God's faithfulness, I don't know what will. And that's where Mandy and I landed at the hospital. We asked these questions. God, are you still faithful? And maybe if we're honest with ourselves, in our heart of hearts, we've maybe even said the statement, God, unless you heal our son, I don't know if we can do this anymore. But there's an important decision that we have to make. In our greatest moments of pain or fear or doubts or questions, we can either lock ourselves away or we can choose to invite Jesus into the circumstance, the risen one. That's the beauty of this story. He didn't just die on a cross. He rose again. And he appeared to this room of teenagers and young adults. We have to remember that too. Thomas was not like 60 or something like that. He was like an adolescent. (laughs) We have to choose to place our faith in God, not on our circumstances, but in his character. I want to just direct your attention to one last final story and then um, we're going to pray. Just let it allow Jesus to minister to us in this moment. There's a story in, in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel, chapter three. Many of us are very familiar with it. I've heard it uh, quoted a lot over the last year. It's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you don't know the story, it kind of goes like this. These, these guys were part of a group of people who were uh, in, captured and brought into a nation called Babylon. And they were living in a foreign land under a ruler that they didn't agree with his religious ideas, his cultural practices. And there came a moment where the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar was his name. It's a hard one to spell, he's the one to say. He says to the three, you must bow down to this gold idol that we worship. Essentially saying you must declare that this idol, uh, your allegiance to this idol, this God, and forsake your allegiance to your God. It's a great story. I invite you to read the whole thing. I'm giving you the Coles notes. But in Daniel 3, uh, verses 13 through 18, I just want to read this. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true you three, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up. And he said, now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn and, the, and every kind of music, you shall fall down and worship the image that I have made. But if you don't do that, if you do not worship our gods, you shall immediately be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace 
And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? He's kind of, he's kind of puffing his chest out to God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is what I want us to end on. They answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. They don't even defend themselves. They just say, we, we don't need to. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and we, and he will deliver us out of your hand O king there's this confidence that they have God is going to save us Nebuchadnezzar we don't need to worry but even if he doesn't let it be known to you that we will not serve your gods or worship that golden image that you have set up We're confident that God is going to save us because we've seen his faithfulness in the past. We know how he delivered us out of Egypt and our ancestors, and we know that he brought us through the wilderness into the promised land. And now we're in another, this is just another sticky situation, Nebuchadnezzar. We don't need to worry. We're, we're confident that God is going to deliver us from your hands. But even if he doesn't, is the most bizarre statement for a follower of God to make. There's this admission of God might not. We will still remain faithful. And when we allow God to shift our focus from our circumstances to the faithfulness of his character, I think we're going to stop hearing ourselves say, unless I see, I will never, to even if he doesn't, I will still. Because God's faithfulness is not a symptom of our momentary peace or comfort. It is the source of our peace and comfort. So let's just take a moment. I want to invite you to, to even just, if you need to, maybe to remove distractions from the room, just close your eyes or just look down at the ground. You can leave them open. It doesn't matter. There's no rules here. If you find yourself in a moment of pain or discomfort, or you're even just swept up in this whole COVID thing, and you find yourself so focused on the circumstances that we are in right now. Or maybe you're just living in a moment of pain outside of COVID. I want to call you to just right now remind yourself of just a moment that God showed up. Remind yourself of a moment where God did. For me, it's healing my son. But for you, maybe it was a job that was found or maybe it was a, a move to 
this city or this country in safety. Maybe it was financial support right when you needed it most. invite you, I just want to invite you to recall those altars, those moments in in your history with God to inform your level of trust in this present moment. So that you may increase your faith in the future. moment too, I'm also aware that there's, there might be some people in the room or maybe even connecting with us online that you are ruled by your circumstances because you don't have a relationship with Jesus. There isn't this history of moments where God was faithful in your life. And I just want to really quick just extend an invitation to you with yourself, with Jesus, he is present, like we said, in your moment of pain. And the amazing story of God is that he wants a relationship with broken people. And this whole story of his death on the cross and resurrection is testimony of that. It's the first altar that we can look back on, that Jesus did what he said he was going to do so that we could have relationship with him. And so this morning, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I just want to extend the invitation for you to decide in your heart that you want to follow him, follow his his way of life, his teachings, and receive a peace that will ultimately transcend and go above and beyond your circumstances and your understanding. So if that's you, I just want to say a prayer with you. You can pray this in your heart as well. And then afterwards, we're just going to end in prayer and the worship team is going to play and we can just spend some time just in God's presence. But Jesus, I am so grateful for this amazing story that is true. It happened. It's real. We can look back on it even though we weren't there. The 2,000 years ago, you died on a cross for joy and love and grace that we who are far from you could be close to you again and that our pain, our sin, our temptations and suffering and all things that come to distance us from you, God, they are put to death on the cross. So I pray for my friends here who are watching, who are deciding right now that they want to follow your way of life, just that you would encourage them you would welcome them in arms of grace, Jesus, as they begin this faith journey. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross and for rising again, that we would live with you. And for my, my friends in this room or watching online who are in this moment of pain or doubt or just uncertainty, God, asking questions about your faithfulness in their honesty, pray that you would encourage us, Lord, with the things you've done in our past, in our story with you, so that we can look forward to the things that you will do in the future, and even 
if you don't, Jesus, that we would be faithful anyway. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this message. We pray that you have received truth and have been encouraged. For more information about First Assembly, how to get connected, and to listen to our latest worship albums, please visit our website at www.fa.church.